Welcome to Junior Elves and Now What? Episode 56, Interlude 25.5. So to start off this podcast, I want to share one of our quarantine stories. So uh, a few weeks ago, we were doing what everyone else has been doing, and that is ordering some food. And we wanted to try to eat at one of our local restaurants. They'd had a fire last year, and so they had to close down for some time, and then they reopened right before the uh, quarantine struck. So in an effort to try to you know, keep business going to them, we went ahead and tried to order. But it was weird because they didn't have their own app, so I had to order through a third-party app, got the order in, got the confirmation. They said they were going to deliver it. And so we waited and we waited. And about a half an hour after the delivery time, I called them and they said, oh, my gosh, we're so sorry. Your order never came through. It'll be faster if you come pick it up, because, by the way, our delivery service is two hours behind. All right. So two issues right there. Delivery service behind and they lost our order. OK, fine. You know what? These things happen. We got to be patient with people during this, especially this time. So I packed up in the car, drove down there. Um, this particular place, uh, it's a pizza joint, but it has a drive through which is odd for like a traditional, uh, normal sit-down restaurant. So I'm like six cars deep. It takes me a half an hour to 45 minutes to finally get through the line. I finally get up there and said, oh, hey, I just called a few minutes ago. You lost my order. You said it would be faster if I just came in. And they were like, oh, yeah, we remember you calling. And your order got lost again. Okay, so second time. Fine, fine, fine. So I went ahead and reordered all the food, and then they told me to go wait. So a half an hour later, after committing to 10 minutes, I finally have somebody come out with my food. I say thank you, call my family, hey, I'm on my way home, and I jump in the car and drive home. When I get home, I open it up, and the containers are all crushed, and it's not even our food. It's someone else's. So I call them back. And they were like, oh, wow, we're so sorry. Come back, get some more. So I drove back again, waited in line again. And uh, they finally had our food. Shockingly, it was still hot. So I don't know if that's good or bad. But this was like the perfect storm compounded by the perfect storm. We did eventually eat. The food was very good and it was hot. And we ended up with extra food because we kept the other order. So uh, I guess that was kind of a win. Anyway. So that was our quarantine story. So one of the things that I do, as I've mentioned before, is I do nightly studies. And for whatever reason, my wife and I got to talking and the Cuban Missile Crisis came up, which happened before or early in our lives. I, I don't remember the date specifically, but uh, I know it was a pretty nasty, scary thing during the Cold War. And so I uh, remember hearing about the Bay of Pigs which to me always sounded like a really weird word, but I knew it had something to do with this. And so I spent the last few weeks researching that. Uh, there's an incredible amount of data out there. Now, everything on the internet is true, as we all know. So uh, grain of salt. But in my research, it was very interesting to find out that you know Cuba had a leader in place that apparently was really good friends with the United States. Then he got ousted by a guy who came in and he was a horrible, vicious dictator. He did not last long. And then uh, he got ousted by uh, the guy who's pretty much been in charge since, uh, Fidel Castro. And uh, when Fidel first took over, he seemed like a, a moderately decent leader. He was certainly better than the guy he ousted. Um, but the one thing he had that was unique for a person who ultimately turned it into a dictatorship is the people really, really seemed to like him. He had the backing of the people. But... He did not have the backing of the United States, 
and he had open communications with Russia. So during the Cold War, this is a big bad. And so the CIA apparently decided that they were going to oust him by using some of the people who had been uh, you know, banished from the country after the first coup that had occurred. And so uh, th this went on for quite a while until eventually that was implemented. Without giving you any more boring details, it was very interesting to me that there were really um, three things that caused this whole Bay of Pigs. By the way, Bay of Pigs is a location. This is where um, they, they landed in Cuba, or one of the spots they landed in Cuba to start this attempt at overthrowing uh, Fidel Castro. There was really three things that made it fail. Uh, one of them is this plan started getting into place as presidents were transitioning in and out, uh, which loses some fidelity as well as commitment, because one president was all gung-ho, yes, let's make this happen, let's overthrow this you know, evil person. And then the second guy coming in was like, I don't know, um, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I believe it was JFK who was the second president. And so that was that was one of them. Um, the second one is there was a lot of issues with um, uh, with leaks, um, this, the, the communication leaking out. And so uh, the, the, the government in Cuba knew this was coming well beforehand. In fact, instead of trying to deploy a pure and simple sneak attack, they really tried to stage it so that there was other fronts and other attacks that were going to happen from other locations. Now, they were still trying to do this whole plausible deniability thing. But anyways, it was very interesting. And then the third one, and this is the one that seems the most interesting to me, is as far as I can tell from what research I did, the biggest single failure point was the lack of air support. They'd had some early bomb runs where they came in and they destroyed some airfields and other various things. But they really didn't um, commit much in the way of additional air support. And apparently that was JFK's decision. There was supposed to be, based off of the plan, a series of them to take place. And I guess he stopped them. And ultimately, as we all know, the whole Bay of Pigs thing became the single biggest failure of uh, foreign policy by the CIA, CIA uh, or at least as far as we know. Now, Again, grain of salt all of this, because obviously what you find on the Internet isn't always true. And and uh, I, I didn't research uh, every source out there, but it was very interesting uh, doing that research. Now, obviously, the, the United States was figured out very quickly. Um, apparently, uh, JFK decided that he wanted to destroy the CIA and rip them asunder and basically destroy the organization. Obviously, he did it, but he was incredibly mad at them, which, again, I find interesting because I think that part of the reason it failed was his fault. And then, uh, you know, politics at its best. And then uh, it also pushed the Cubans right into the arms of the Russians, which ultimately uh, ended up with the Russian missile crisis that took place not too long thereafter. So anyways, that was just a very interesting story. Uh, I am now uh, researching the, um, the Waco standoff, I think is what it's called. Um, Koresh and company from the late 80s, I want to say is what it took place. But we'll talk about that in a, in a later podcast. So I decided to try something uh, for the first time as far as um, like physical therapy and that type of stuff. Uh, I've had a number of injuries over the years. Um, and uh, one of the things that I have found when I physical, visit physical therapists, and by the way, I swear by physical therapists. Every time I've gone, I've come away way better off and, you know, typically not needing like surgery or anything like that. But they use those like electrodes that uh, you strap to the muscles uh, I've used them over the years, but I always thought that, you know, oh, it's medical equipment. It's going to be super expensive. It's really not. 
Um, you can find some on Amazon that are pretty decent price and they have a huge variety of options. It's not like you turn it on and hope it doesn't blow your muscle up. Uh, it, it legitimately works. So uh, it's been kind of cool to try it out. Uh, I've been able to use it while I've been kind of sitting in my chair. I, I use an elliptical at my standing desk at work. So my back and my legs and the rest of my body kind of get a little workout all day. But right now I'm working from home and I'm sitting in a basically a glorified lazy boy while I'm working and my body does not like me. So these electrodes have been helping, which has been kind of cool. So there's a movie out there. I love natural disaster movies, even if it's somewhat, oh, no, the government tested something that was bad and it caused a natural disaster, which I know happens in like every other movie. Anyways, there was a movie that came out in, I believe it was the early 2000s, called The Core. And it was a mediocre movie. I mean, it's a natural disaster movie, so I find it enjoyable and entertaining on some level. Um, needless to say, uh, at one point in the movie, there was actually a really cool quote, and I'm not going to quote it directly, but I'm going to give the gist of it, uh, where one of the commanding individuals turns to the subordinate and said, you are absolutely 100% going to become a fantastic leader. And she says, yay, so you're saying I'm ready for a command. And he goes, no, absolutely not, because you're too good. You have never failed. And the true test of a leader is when they fail and they make a mistake, what do they do and how do they recover? And that is how you become a great leader. Now, having said all of that, I don't know that that's entirely true. There are people out there who are great leaders, and, and they naturally are, with or without the mistakes they've made in their lives. I mean, for heaven's sakes, you know, look, look at Christ for his 33 years he was on the earth. Um, mistake lists, right? Perfect. And yet, you know, he was the best leader. Having said that, that's not going to be true for most of us. And so it's interesting because I look back at my career and my life's choices, and some of my biggest burns, some of my biggest mistakes, and some of my biggest failures have really turn the tide in how I do certain things. And so I think it's important for us all to recognize that failures are a way of our existence. And we have to embrace the reality that if we don't fail, sometimes we don't learn. Now, I'm not saying we should seek to fail. It's the attempts to succeed and that lead to failures are really ultimately what leads to future successes. Anyway, so I thought that was actually really cool. Um, all right, so in uh, the, my scripture studies, in the book of Mosiah, chapter 12, verse 27, it says, Ye have not applied your hearts to understanding. Therefore, ye have not been wise. Therefore, what teach ye to this people? So this is um, Abinadi talking to King Noah and his you know, sinful followers and, and priests. The reason why I read this quote is uh, it, because... I've always been fascinated by the trifecta. I call it the trifecta of knowledge. I don't know if there's a better term for it, but there's what you uh, there's knowledge, there's wisdom, and there's understanding. And each one of them is related to the other, but they're not the same thing. They are not synonyms for each other. And I've always viewed knowledge as the information you've gathered. Uh, wisdom is what you do with it. And understanding, which I think could be synonymous with comprehension, is the depth of that knowledge. In other words, as you explore it, as you utilize it, then it gains something deeper to you. Uh, in one of the final books in the Hitchhiker's Guide for the Galaxy series, the main character is visiting a planet of wise people. And as he's visiting one of these wise individuals, um, he says, hey, you've got all this vast knowledge. Can you share it with me? And he says, I cannot give you my knowledge. I can give you knowledge, but I cannot give you mine because my knowledge is tainted. 
with my life's experiences, my perspective, and my emotions. And therefore, it is mine. It is unique to me, and no one else can have it. I think that is true for uh, understanding in general for each and every one of us. When we take that knowledge and we apply it through wisdom, then we gain a very unique depth that is personal and unique to us and us alone. Um, so I thought that was a, a really kind of cool scripture to kind of emphasize that point. All right, so top five. I wanted to run down the top five good experiences that we have had with like takeout during this pandemic slash uh, quarantine. All right, so in no particular order, Krispy Kreme, seriously, donuts. I mean, the only thing that's gonna make this better is bacon. So I mean, donuts. And I love Krispy Kreme donuts, but they delivered and it was awesome. So yeah, that's a big gold star right there. Five Guys, my favorite burger out there is Five Guys. Uh, 10 years ago, I had my tonsils out. I was around 30, 31, somewhere in that ballpark. Easily one of the worst things that I ever had to go through in life was the recovery from getting my tonsils out. Now, having said that, I would totally do it again if I had to because the net result was well worth it. Having said that, the one thing I wanted after I had my tonsils out is I wanted a Five Guys burger. So yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, Black Bear Diner. That, uh, that was a pretty good experience. They didn't deliver. I had to go pick it up, but we've had it a couple of times and we miss a nice big kind of glorious breakfast and uh, they make a pretty good one. So that's that's been positive. Um, this one's a weird one, Little Caesars. So all my life, Little Caesars was unique of a pizza place because they didn't deliver. Well, uh, just uh, less than a week ago, I ordered pizza from Little Caesars and had it delivered to my house. And it was hot and it was good and it was awesome and I didn't have to drive. So, yay, that was a win. And then Cafe Rio. Um, Cafe Rio, to me, I've had lots of quote-unquote bad experiences. Not so much that the food's been bad, but it's typically been it takes too long or it's just too expensive or I hate loud places and I do a terrible job ordering when I'm there because I get so anxious when they're trying to order my food. But uh, when you can order from your phone and then you can just go to pick it up, uh, we've got a Cafe Rio that's really close to the house, and we've ordered from them multiple times during this pandemic because I can order it on my phone, I can drive over, and it's almost always ready right as I get there. It's still hot. I don't have to wait, and uh, I don't have to order in front of a person or anything. So this is like the best of all worlds. So uh, anyway, so that's the top five. I uh, hope you guys have a spectacular week. Smile, be happy. Remember, you're worth it. This is the kind of comical... This is kind of the comical quote that I came or that I discovered online. I don't know who it's from, but uh, the quote is, my brain says, let's do something exciting today. My body says, don't listen to that fool. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening.